0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's time now for The Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Welcome to today's show. I want to point out the fact that the powers that be that are managing our healthcare system are not being good stewards of our resources and i got a lot to review uh, in medicine and everything that's been going on in the last few years you know this show is always trying to articulate the benefits of free market healthcare trying to explain why a socialized medicine a government run one size fits all top down Uh, medical system is horrible for us, and it has really been brought to the forefront with the COVID pandemic, our response to it, and our continued response to it, to really demonstrate just how much our healthcare system is failing us and how much they're wasting money. I think at this point, most people are sort of aware that these government bodies control massive amounts of wealth whether it be the teachers union or the healthcare systems or whatever the government uh, wastes our money spends massive amounts of uh, taxpayer dollars and we get very little uh, in return our public school systems are absolutely failing our kids come out they can't read they can't do math they're being brainwashed into things like critical race theory uh this transgender psychosis and you know as I sit back in this season of my life where I've got some life experience behind me and I'm starting to reflect on what's going on in this world and how we behave and trying to make sense of things I, I've made a, a lot of observations and uh, you know I was going to the hospital the other day and this has been going on for a long time and every you know I take call at several hospitals in the area and I have to cover orthopedic uh, call, which is pretty pretty standard for doctors. They typically have hospital privileges, and as a requirement of those hospital privileges, they usually have to provide on-call services so that patients that have issues in the hospital or come to the emergency room are managed. And so I'm on call a few times a month at these different locations, and people commonly come in with hip fractures and broken bones and other orthopedic issues. I get consulted and, and I go in and I take care of these people. Uh, and one of the things that I've noticed is that I can't cross the threshold of any of the hospitals without putting a mask on. I mean, the hospital systems are absolutely committed to this masking canard. And it's really starting to get frustrating uh, to me. The data is unequivocal at this point. The masks don't work. The cloth masks, the surgical masks, they do not work in reducing the spread and transmission of influenza-like illnesses. I know that this is heresy. I know that we've been attacked on this show and other people have been attacked that it leads to censorship on social media sites. I'm censored all the time. Uh, I really don't consider myself to be a major voice and everything that's going on, but I'm major enough that the powers that be out there are working overtime to censor me. And it was really kind of frustrating to me as I try to get into the hospital. I, you know, I don't have a mask on me most of the time. I get to the hospital. I have to go to the front desk. I have to put a mask on and then I have to wear it uh, everywhere I go. And it's really, you know, it, it causes all of the problems we're all aware of it irritates my face and makes my nose run. I'm constantly touching my mouth and my nose. I can't breathe. I can't talk. My glasses fog up. I mean, it's just a real irritant. And it it gets in the way of me conducting my normal business, which is usually taking care of patients. And it's worse than that because the hospitals are absolutely committed. And it's all of them. And I'm asking myself, why is this going on? Why are they so committed to this One behavior that we know uh, has no effect. And listen, I, I know people like to mince words and and try and say things like, well, it has very little effect because we're all worried about being censored. There is no study out there that shows that a public that wears masks that are made of whatever material no standardization of material with no standardization of how we wear it and how we put it on. I mean, you walk through the hospital, people are taking it off to drink sips of coffee, me included. Uh, people are touching it. Uh, you know, are these m- masks clean and different every day? I mean, there's no study that shows that that helps. And it doesn't even make any common sense that it helps. Because if I'm walking around the hospital and breathing, we, you know, we all agree that whatever it is that I'm exhaling is not being filtered by the mask. At most, the mask is controlling the direction and uh, amount of spray and everything that I do. But is that really how these influenza-like illnesses are transmitted? They're not. And and so I'm really kind of frustrated with the fact that people always feel the need to mince words because we're going to be censored and attacked. And, you know, we've pointed out on this show how the medical boards have all come out and threatened doctors, licenses, if they say anything negative about the vaccines and the masks. And I'm just kind of over it at this point. Um, the CDC has admitted the masks don't work. They just came out with a new study uh, from the Cochrane Library that shows that the masks don't work, including the N95 at the transmission of these influenza-like illnesses. And so I started asking myself, why are these hospitals so committed to this? And at the end of the day, it's a grift. And you have to understand how these hospital systems work across the country. They're like big teachers unions. They get a lot of government money through Medicare and Medicaid, and patients and doctors have very little to do with how that money is transferred. And so when patients come to the emergency room or or go to the hospital for treatment, they receive care that involves certain medications, vaccinations, and treatment protocols where money is taken from the government coffers, both at the state level and at the federal level. And, and it's sort of a scam. The, it's not sort of a scam, it's a total scam. It's gotten to the point now where, uh, by design, these hospital systems Uh, Well, I should say big medicine, which includes the insurance companies, has perfect, purposely driven uh, private doctors out of business to force them into employed positions at the hospitals. And then we have increasingly more strict control over our behaviors through the medical boards who tell us what we can and can't prescribe. Uh, We know back in the pandemic days that it was frowned upon to prescribe hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and other things like that, which – by the way, had had um, a lot of literature supporting the efficacy of use. But the goal here is to control the delivery of health care. And, and it's a way of government entities controlling lots of money and lots of power. And we've seen it uh, from a political standpoint. They were able to control the way voting went uh, so that we had all this mail-in voting. And so the use of uh, medical power allowed for this Uh, massive change in the way we do elections and, and we could talk about how that affected the elections. And then there are these massive transfers of wealth where the government comes out and says we have this COVID pandemic. Uh, nobody's allowed to say anything negative against it or. Or have any opinions on it other than everybody get vaccinated, everybody wear a mask, and then we see trillions of dollars that are just transferred. And at the end of the day, what happens to us as patients, we get the shaft. We haven't been able to get our other medical conditions taken care of. We have limited resources. <clears throat> There's not enough money to go around for everybody to have everything, which is interesting because they spend all this money on these masks so you walk into a hospital there's masks available for everybody somebody's paying for that that somebody is you and me and the taxpayer and that money is not being spent on other things that could benefit our healthcare um and it's being taken out of our our deductibles uh and our premiums and our tax dollars uh to fund this stuff and it's really gotten frustrated to me uh that the the money is being wasted On, on things like masks and these mask protocols that we know are not effective and at the expense of treating our patients. And I'm just going to give you a few examples of how that happens. Now, I have a patient that comes to the hospital. They have a broken hip. I have to fix it. Sadly, the patient gets their COVID test. That's a cost. Uh, for what reason the patient had no respiratory symptoms and no respiratory illness, but the, powers that be have implemented this COVID pandemic protocol, which involves all of these uh, expenditures of resources, including masking and testing. And unfortunately for this patient, their test came back positive. Now we know that there are a lot of false negatives and false positives with these testing. Uh, The person who invented the PCR test has told us that it's not designed for testing. It's not an accurate way of testing for disease and I don't want to get on a sidetrack here, but, you know, these tests are flawed and always have been. And so we see all these false positives where patients have no respiratory uh, symptoms. They're having no fever, no cough, no chills, uh, nothing, no shortness of breath. But they happen to have a positive COVID test. And so we immediately go into this uh, COVID protocol where all of the medical professionals who should know better, are, you know, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but they get into these hazmat suits and they're wearing their N95 masks. And it's really interfering with the actual care of the patient. I'm trying to fix the hip fracture. The patient gets delayed because they got to go through all of these, uh, I'm just going to say these faux behaviors of uh preoperative evaluation and the way they have to separate them from the rest of the population. Now, me and my PAs, we wear the regular, you know, masks and gowns and uh, I'm not playing into this psychosis myself, uh, but I have to watch it happen. It often delays the case. I had one the other day I come in and, Oh, the test that, you know, the, mind you, the patient's been in the hospital for over a day now with a broken hip, so it's an uncomfortable thing. The patient wants to get this fixed, and then at the last minute, it's like, oh, we got a positive COVID result, so we're going to have to go through all of these procedures before we can do the case, and so the patient's forced to lay there, uh, you know, in an uncomfortable position for a longer period of time before we actually get to the point where we can fix the hip. Then, once the patient's hip is fixed, they get put on this leper floor, which is a floor that's kind of like this isolation. Uh, because they supposedly have this, uh, horrendous communicable disease that's threatening the, the whole planet now. And, uh, you know, we know that as predicted, uh, for a lot of these influenza-like illnesses that as they mutate and change, they become less virulent. This is, you know, well known to science. And so, the COVID that people are getting afflicted with these days don't have a lot of the inflammatory problems that the first COVID strains had. And so they're much less, um, virulent against people. Of course they're, I got it. You know, I know I don't want to be uh, convicted of uh, being an, a spreader of misinformation. So of course there are certain people that are at high risk, mostly older people with comorbid conditions, but uh, most people nowadays, when they get the COVID, it's a it's a typical flu. Now, on top of that, these patients, in many cases, are not even sick. They just get what I consider to be a false positive test because they have no symptoms. They're not sick. They have no respiratory illness. But sadly, they get they still get treated like they're a leper. We do the case. There's delays there. It ends up being more of a hassle for the patient. Um, and then the patients get put on a floor. Uh, and then i go to see these patients and they're they're telling me the nurses won't come in and give them pain medicine the nurses won't come in and help them go to the bathroom and they're crying to me doctor please get me out of here and i'm sitting here what in the world is going on and it has to do with you know the nurses are like oh they're on a covid floor and we can't risk our lives by going in there and taking care of them and i'm thinking to myself how long are we going to play this game this is just unbelievable and i'm i got to tell you I feel like I'm at a stage in my life where I'm allowed to think out loud. I'm allowed to have opinions. I'm sharing them with you, but I'm still nervous. You know, the world is crazy right now and everybody's being canceled for any kind of opinion that goes against the state propaganda. And I'm just wondering how long I'm going to have to live in this Truman show. I'm just, I'm tired of it. We're, we're having this behavior where we're genuflecting to this COVID pandemic at the expense of other medical issues, you know, people have other problems that are getting ignored uh, because we're playing this game that's largely predicated on politics and wealth and power and uh, struggle. And the, the bottom line of all of this is it's happening because we have too much of a government-run, one-size-fits-all uh, socialized medical system that – prevents dissent and thinking and it prevents independent thinking and it prevents us from implementing science we see that science has been um manipulated and corrupted uh, in many ways to further political narratives and i've been wanting to to break all this down and sort of help people see the way the world is in a way that I think that I'm seeing it. And, you know, we are all being propagandized to all day, every day, every TV show we watch, everything we scroll through on our phones. Um, I was looking at my uh, Google uh, the other day. This was actually a while ago. And they always have these stories of great white sharks on my Google. And, you know, if I see a story about a great white shark and I got to read it. I've always been fascinated with sharks. I've always been drawn to this morbid, you know, shark attacks. I like to read all the stories and, you know, hear all the tales of people who've survived shark attacks and all this kind of stuff. I've just always been absolutely fascinated by it. So when I see the Google, uh, you know, shark, I immediately go in. And, of course, when I scroll through the shark story, There's advertisement and stuff that's tailored to me. Now, I remember bringing it up to my wife, like, you know, wow, this Google, they're really smart about having these great white shark stories that uh, nobody can pass up. And my wife looks at me and she goes, you know, that's just for you. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, I don't have great white shark stories on my phone because I don't care about great white sharks. Google knows that I like shoes. And so they put things about shoes on my phone and it really struck me as like, we're living in a world where each of us is individualized, uh, being manipulated on a daily basis and it affects the way we perceive the world around us. And in my opinion, in my 57 years on this planet, I have seen a lot of negative impact of this behavior. And, you know, I remember early, I remember early on in the pandemic, I've always, kind of discussed this, that I feel that my view of the pandemic was was a good view because, you know, I am a doctor. I've been practicing for a long time. I understood epidemiology, understood virology. I understood how masks work. I understood the concept of lockdowns and how they didn't work because we've studied them before. Um, and I saw and I also had access to a lot of information because as a practicing physician, I have... Access to patients and numbers and I could see things going on. I could see that patients were getting, uh, diagnosed with COVID when they clearly didn't have COVID. I could see that patients were getting declared dead from COVID when they clearly died of other things. I could see all this stuff. And so my perspective on things, I think was clear, but about six months into pandemic, my wife starts freaking out. Oh my God, we're all going to die. And I'm looking at her like, what are you talking about? And she was moved and manipulated and affected by all of the uh, propaganda that was put out there. And I, you know, I was like, you're, you, what is going on in your mind? Like, not only are we not all going to die, but most of us are not going to die. And so it took me about three months to sort of deprogram her to kind of get her to look at what I was reading and show her the studies that I was looking at and helping her filter the things that she was reading and help her understand um you know why she was getting this uh, uh negative information and i remember that this concerted effort to try and um to try and stigmatize negatively ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine now full disclosure i had no dog in this hunt You know, when when this thing first came around, I'm looking. I'm just trying to figure out a way to protect my patients, protect myself, keep my practice open. And so I read the available literature, and it was clear that hydroxychloroquine was probably going to be effective at decreasing the the virulence and the uh, severity of the COVID infection. It was just obvious. The one thing I knew for a fact, though, was that it was a safe medication, and so. It was so safe of a medication that in my mind, a logical thing is, well, if it might help, you ought to try it because it's not going to hurt. I mean, we have this potentially uh, deadly disease that's coming around at the time and we have this safe medication that's had billions of doses given and it's one of the safest medications of all time. And yet there was this concerted effort to stigmatize it and to say that it was dangerous so much so that the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet published fake studies trying to suggest that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous. And they ultimately had to retract those studies two weeks after publication when they were caught using fake information. I thought to myself, my God, this is one of the greatest scandals of all time, the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet publishing fake studies. And the world just kind of seemed to move on from this as if it was no big deal. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I have just learned that my major – Journals, my major medical journals are corrupted. You know, my institutions that we follow in medicine are corrupted. And I'm trying to share this information. And what happens to me, I end up getting attacked uh, as being a spreader of misinformation. And then my wife got sick with COVID and I was trying to manage her in the ways that I knew to manage her. And I remember saying, I want to get you some ivermectin. And she says to me, I'm not going to take a horse dewormer. Now, for those of you who don't remember, there was a fake article published in Rolling Stone magazine that suggested that because uh, ivermectin was being pushed out there that people were taking ivermectin and that they were getting poisoned and that people were overwhelming the emergency rooms with their ivermectin poisoning and preventing you know gunshot wound victims from getting needed care because of all these poisonings from ivermectin it was picked up by cnn and msnbc and all of the major nbc all the major news outlets propagated the story and it was a total lie it was a total lie in fact ivermectin uh won the nobel Prize like in 2015 or something like that for being one of the best medicines of all time. And it's it's got uh, lots of research to suggest it's effective. But there's a propaganda campaign out there that affects the way we look at things. And it affects us all, me included. Now, I think about my life, and I remember a movie with Kevin Bacon, Footloose. And uh, I didn't really see Footloose when I was growing up. I'm one of those guys that sometimes the big movies come out and for whatever reason, I keep telling myself I'm going to see them. And, you know, I don't see them until much later in life. And I recently just saw The Matrix, (laughs) which, you know, I don't know how long ago The Matrix came out 20 or 30 years ago, but I had never seen it. And uh, I saw it on the plane a couple of weeks ago. And I saw the scene about the red pill and the blue pill, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this cultural iconic moment about red pilling and blue pilling, I've always made the reference to it, but I never understood what it was because I'd never seen the movie The Matrix until recently. Well, the same thing happened with Footloose. I knew the movie existed, and I knew Kevin Bacon uh, became very popular as a result of this movie, and it was about dancing. But... I saw the movie a couple years ago, so many, many years after it originally came out. And, of course, it's about a a religious uh, fanatic priest who outlaws dancing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. They're trying to stigmatize religion by suggesting that people are not allowed to dance. And it's a constant thing. When you watch movies, when you watch TV shows, uh, when you see anything, there's always – this negative connotation to Christianity and Judeo-Christian values, and they will always portray it in a negative light. Um, I'm a fan of Yellowstone. I like the TV series uh, Yellowstone with with um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? David, help me. <clears throat> Kevin Costner. So Kevin Costner is uh, the star of Yellowstone. I kind of it's a soap opera. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's set in in Montana or something like that and he's a big rancher and it's you know got all kinds of intrigue and power struggles and things like that it's a great soap opera and they had a spin off off the show called 1883 that was about his ancestors going west and I actually enjoyed that show as well too and I thought they've come out with another show called 1923 that's sort of the prequel to uh Yellowstone and it follows the 1883 series and it's just more of the soap opera following this family. And I start watching the show and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I enjoy Yellowstone. I enjoyed 1883, but right off the bat, they have these scenes where uh, there's some native Americans that are in a, what looks like um, uh, a Christian or a Catholic school. And one of the students uh, starts getting beaten with a ruler on her hand. And it's really grotesque. I mean, it's just this, savage beating of the nun just beating this girl you know beating this girl's hand for a minor infraction I'm sitting here like okay here we go again with I have to be propagandized about the negativity of Christianity and how evil we were and of course racist and so then the nun uh sort of gets in trouble and she has to go to the priest and I just have endured like this very long scene of her beating this Native American girl with a ruler, and it was disturbing and then she goes in to face the priest who then, uh, you know, recognizes that she did that. And then the priest starts savagely beating the nun on her hand with a ruler. And that goes on for another long period of time. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not going to watch the show. And it's just, it goes on all the time. And we see this, um, in shows all the time. You see, uh anytime nowadays the villains always are hanging the american flag on the wall you know um there's uh, anytime somebody is christian they're always put in a negative light and the importance of this is to understand that we are being propagandized to all the time on our social media through our tv shows through our news outlets and it makes it very difficult to understand the world that we live in our uh, you know, where we get our information is corrupted. We've shown on this show uh, often how Google uh, changes the meaning of things. We just had, uh, you know, we were just went through a recession, which was, you know, two uh, quarters of negative GDP growth, which just happened. And they just simply changed the definition of what a recession was uh, on Google and other things, because the powers that be like the political uh, you know, they like Biden and they like the Democrats in power and they can't have us perceiving anything negative about the economy. And so we're living in this world where we keep, you know, you want to Google something and you can't trust it. You know, and I mean, it's not just Google. It's all of these search engines that are uh, changing the meaning of things. They're corrupting. They're suppressing certain information. Uh, we're talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. You have these. Um, experts that came out and said that the Hunter laptop was Russian misinformation. That information was suppressed uh, from social media sites and news sites uh, throughout the uh, election season. And you had these former uh, national security experts that came out and signed a letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Well, here we are down the road and it's Turns out it was a lie. These people, these so-called, so-called intelligence experts all lied. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going to happen to any of them? Nothing. We just move on. We're living in this Truman show all the time where it's like the emperor has no clothes. And the reason that this is important is because it is really negatively affecting our healthcare. And part of what I want to do is not only extol the virtues of free market health care and independent thinking and open debate and but to also alert people to all of the you know the all of the ills of socialized medicine, all of the horrors and misery created by a one size fits all, top-down government run uh healthcare system that puts politics and money laundering or money uh, wealth transfer. It's basically just a big old slush fund for left wing, uh, uh, you know, goals and aims at the expense of our health care. And it's really uh, disgusting. Now, I I had a patient the other day, they, uh, you know, I, I every now and then I do uh, surgeries at some of the hospitals where I work. And I had a patient that Needed a knee replacement. And he was scheduled for an elective knee replacement. He had two COVID tests uh, with me uh, and on his own that were negative. Uh, and then when you do a surgery at a hospital, you have to send the patient to that hospital to get what we call a pre-op evaluation where they go and get a physical exam. You get seen by the anesthesiologist there, and they typically do testing, including these bogus COVID tests. And sadly, this patient with no respiratory symptoms, not sick, nothing going on, and two negative COVID tests gets the COVID test at the hospital, and it comes back positive. So now they're not going to let this person get the knee replacement done. Word gets back to me that the case is being canceled because he tested positive for COVID. And the issue is a lot of people want to get their surgeries done before the end of the year because their deductibles are up. So it saves them a lot of money if they can get the surgery done at the end of the year. And so I always have a very busy December operating because I have all these patients that want to get their procedures done before the new year so that they, uh, you know, when they've met their deductible, it saves them a lot of money. And so I'm always telling patients, listen. I'll operate as much as it takes to get everybody done. So I tell my patients, if you don't mind waiting, I'll put you on the case and I'll keep doing it. So I always have a very busy December and this patient was really upset. They were, it was going to cost them a lot of money. They needed the knee replacement for quality of life. And it was also going to save them a lot of money to get it done before the end of the year. And so Somehow word got back to me to call over to the hospital, see if I could do something. So I got a number to the head of the hospital and I, you know, I see the number and I call this person and uh, I say, Hey, you know, this is uh, Scott Barber. I, I was told uh, I had a patient that tested positive for COVID. They have no symptoms or negative And, uh, you know, I was told to call you and he, this person was just very, uh, <laughs> you know, disinterested. He did not seem very friendly at all. And he's like, what? Do you want? And I was like, well, I was, I was told to call you about this issue. He goes, well, what do you want me to do about it? And I was like, well, I don't know what I want you to do about it. I was just told to call you. And he goes, well, what's the issue? And I explained it. I was like, well, listen, I have this guy's a knee replacement. Um, he wants to get it done before the end of the year because it'll save him a lot of money on his deductible. Mind you, I'm not, I'm working right now, right? So I'm making this phone call and not seeing patients and not doing other things that I could be doing to be productive. In delivering healthcare, I'm on the phone with this guy who obviously doesn't want to be talking to me and also is not doing whatever work he should be doing. So it's a total waste of time because it's a joke. Um, and he starts asking me questions like, so does he need the, the surgery? And I'm thinking to myself, yes, that's why I ordered it is because he needs a surgeon. And it's like, and it's going to save him some money to get it done before the year. And I was like, yes. It's going to save him some money to get it done before the end. You know this. You're a doctor. You get how it works. And he goes, he's vaccinated, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. I had no idea if he was or wasn't, but I know this is going to not end well if he's not vaccinated. Oh, yeah, I told you. And he goes, and he's boosted, right? And I'm like, oh, totally boosted. And he's like, and he needs the surgery. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, uh, I'll I'll make an exception. And I'm sitting here like, this is such a joke. He knows the vaccination and the boosting has no relevance here. He knows the guy isn't sick, okay? It, the whole thing is just a complete, the emperor has no close situation. And it's like, I'm so tired of having to participate in this delusion. And I'm telling you that we live in this world where we are increasingly Tamping down any debate about anything, it's always somebody spreading misinformation and we don't we don't have to win in the marketplace of ideas anymore. We simply just cancel the other side. One side gets to win. And it's this, you know, left wing globalist, uh, you, you know, cabal. Uh, that's trying to go towards, you know, this one world government and, and, you know, control independent thinking. The United States is a major problem because we have this institution, but we're being eaten alive from the inside. And I'm sitting here just, how are we going to get back to a sane society? And healthcare is a major front of this battle. And so I'm trying to point out a couple things. Number one, our system is broken and that we are being controlled by people who do not have our best interest at heart, whether it's the head of the hospitals, our uh, uh, medical uh, scientific literature is corrupted, our agencies, the CDC, the WHO, the FDA, um, all of these agencies are corrupted and they're poisoning the minds of our kids in the way we think because kids are not just kids, but people in general today, they're okay with this concept of, oh, well, they needed to be censored because they were spreading misinformation. And I'm thinking to myself, how did we get to a point where people think this is okay? Now, just to kind of demonstrate how far down this path we've gone, uh David, play cut number one. This is uh, a person named Bronte Remsick. she's a third year medical student and she's got a huge following on social media and she's uh, got a lot of opinions uh, about abortion and other things that she posts on social media and has a large following I want you to listen listen to her she was on the Michael Knowles show doing an interview uh, talking about her pro-abortion uh, view and I want you to just hear how she speaks So what I would really like to start this conversation off with and make very clear from the start for both you and your viewers is I am not saying that you are wrong for being uncomfortable with abortion. I'm not saying that you are wrong for not agreeing with it. But your opinion applies to your body and your life alone. We are not sitting here having a discussion about our personal disagreements. I am here to educate you and your viewers on the guidelines of proper medical practice that have been established by our country's leading medical experts, and they have stated publicly and unequivocally that abortion access is essential to comprehensive, evidence-based health care. And we both want to protect life, and what remains true is protecting innocent life never involves restricting access to health care. I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, just wow. This person is a third-year medical student, so chances are they're young. So I would say they're probably still in their 20s, and she looks to be a young person when you see her on her social media. But the righteous indignation of this person who has not lived life yet, has not, you know, had children, had not had to, you know, put children through school and, you know, deal with so many of the things, a marriage... um, You know, so many of the obstacles that we have in life that give us wisdom and an understanding of the world around us. And, you know, when I was young, my parents used to tell me, Scott, when you're young, you need to do a lot more listening and a lot less talking. Now, you don't blindly follow people, but you have to understand that early in your life, you don't know anything about anything. And this girl, my gosh, she is over the top. The way she drops we are not having a discussion here i'm telling you the way it is because i have decided who are the experts on this issue and you lowly non-medical experts are not allowed to have your opinion and not only that but i will determine the definition of things like health care okay and no dissenting opinions will be allowed i mean this is a world we're living in where increasingly people see themselves in this way where, um well, uh, you know, we saw Ketanji Brown Jackson being confirmed for uh, the Supreme Court of the United States. And she's asked uh, what a what a woman is. And she says, well, I'm not a biologist, so I can't say what a woman is. I mean, this concept where we're constantly. Deferring to so-called experts. We're constantly being told that we are not allowed to have opinions on issues like whether or not we want to have a vaccination for a disease that seemingly has low risk to us. Um, and the, the vaccine is new. And, uh, I, I, you know, I brought this up on this show a long time and I was attacked for it that it doesn't even matter what it was. It doesn't matter whether it was COVID or, you know, the vaccine that has come out for human papillomavirus, which is sexually transmitted disease. I have two daughters and, um, you, you know, uh, human papillomavirus is something that's got a high prevalence in the world. And having that vaccine is something that may be beneficial for my daughters, you know? And so when it first came out, I thought to myself, okay, I want to keep an eye on this. Now, this vaccine came out a long time ago. I mean, my daughter's, my oldest is 16. So, I mean, this thing's, you know, at least, uh, you know, 20 years old. But when it first came out, my initial instincts were, I want to watch how it behaves over the next 10 years. And did I want to do that because I'm a genius? No, I want to do it because I went to medical school. And I was taught in medical school that it takes – 10 years to understand all of the ramifications of new vaccines and what the problems possibly could be and, you know, medications in general. And so that whether or not you take a new medication is a risk benefit analysis. And some people have high risk or willing to take a little bit more of a risk with a new medication and other people are at lower risk and have a lower threshold. But this idea that the government is going to put a metaphorical or euphemistic gun to our head and tell us you're going to take this vaccination or else which is essentially what happened is insane to me and i was attacked for just saying it was a risk benefit analysis now i want you to understand when the vaccine first came out we were told by all i've shared it on this show we all of the medical boards uh were telling us if a doctor and i think in california now they just passed a law if you say anything negative about the vaccine you're risking your license so all the medical boards were saying if doctors said anything negative about the vaccine, they were, uh, you know, they were risking their medical license. And, of course, most doctors put a lot of effort into obtaining their medical license and were not really up for uh, losing it, me included. And so there tends to be uh, an, a, a, a silencing power there that prevents people from speaking openly. About issues of the day because I just don't want to get involved and doctors just don't want to get involved. Now I'm telling you that as a doctor that was well trained and experienced, the human papilloma vaccine came out. I said to myself, I have two daughters. Uh, there's a risk of, uh, human papilloma virus, you know, that's prevalent in the community and I want to protect my kids, but my kids are, you know, just born. So. Clearly, they're not going to be sexually active for a while. So there's no reason to give them this vaccine. And I just made a rational decision of I want to see how this vaccine behaves over the next 10 years so that when my kids get to an age where they may become sexually active, I can make an informed decision about whether I want to accept this risk. Well, the COVID vaccine was exactly the same thing. It's a new vaccine that came out. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a doctor, and by as doctor, I want to behave in a rational way, which is I know it takes 10 years to fully understand typically how these new medications and vaccines and things like that behave. All I was saying was I just want to see what happens, and I'm making a risk assessment. And my assessment, which was an educated risk and shown to be true, uh, was that the risk to me and my family from this covid Virus was very low, and it wasn't. It wasn't like a crazy thing. I simply looked at the numbers. I looked at them myself when the data was coming out from Italy and from South Korea. I was looking at every individual patient myself: the age, the the diagnosis, their comorbid conditions, everything. And it was very obvious that the people at risk for the initial uh, variants were uh, people that were old and had comorbid health conditions. And that was very obvious. Uh, and this goes back into our being propagandized to all the time where the Royal College of London, I wanna say it was like in March of 2020, right before they implemented the lockdowns, came out and said the mortality rate from COVID-19 was 3.4%, which was like ridiculous. As soon as they said that, I was like, what are you guys trying to do? Freak everybody out? It's clearly not 3.4%. They were looking at a hospital the number of people admitted and then the number of people have died and they said it was 3.4%. Ignoring the fact that they know there's a ton of people that are out in the community that have COVID that are not sick, bringing the mortality rate down to something more like influenza, which was in fact what it was. Now, I predicted that when the Royal College of London said it was 3.4% because I was a genius? No, because I was an independent thinker and I was able to look at the data myself. Now, I'm telling you that there was a risk assessment to be made there. I'm showing you that this is rational. Now we have all been forced and let's not, let's not mince words here. We've all been forced to take this vaccine. Your kids aren't allowed to go to school. You're not allowed to go to work. You know, pilots were being fired from airlines. Military people were being dropped. Healthcare professionals were let go for refusing to get a vaccine. We were forced to take this vaccine and in many cases still are i want you to hear anthony fauci when he's being confronted uh at uh with congressional hearings i want you to hear this response cut number two david um, menstruating cycles and how that is affected by vaccines yeah though well the menstrual thing uh is is something that Seems to be quite transient and, and temporary. That's the point. That's one of the points. We need to study it more. What? Uh, what? What did he just say? That was Anthony Fauci being interviewed by Brett Baer. And they were pointing out that it seems in some studies that women's menstrual cycles are affected by the vaccine and this spike protein. And then Fauci says, well, you know, uh, I don't know about it. Uh, You know, uh, we'll have to study it more. What? That's what people like me were saying. I want to study it more before you make me take something. Dick carries risk. Now, listen, the other thing, too, is these totalitarian police state tyrants that are pushing all of this stuff on us and using healthcare as a tool to do it are rewriting history when they're talking about well we know things we didn't know before that is not true that is not, they are lying when they say that it is not complicated biology you I'm just telling you, I'm a doctor but I knew this in high school you got these lipid nanoparticles which are these little balls that are surrounded by lipid membranes, which are kind of like cell membranes that have mRNA for the spike protein, okay? You inject that into the body. Those lipid nanoparticles then circulate through the whole body, crossing the blood-brain barrier and are injecting the the lipid nanoparticles fuse to the cell membrane and inject that mRNA into the cells, all cells, heart cells, kidney cells, uh, um... You know, your ovaries, your testicles, your brain. That mRNA then goes to the ribosomes in those cells where the mRNA is transcribed into, uh, the spike protein, which is then transported to the cell membrane and the spike protein is, uh, is, appears on the surface cell membrane of all the cells in their body and that spike protein recognized by our immune system as a foreign body is then attacked. This is not complicated. I'm saying to myself, "What? that sounds like that could be bad, right? Your normal cells are exhibiting the spike protein and stimulating your immune system to attack. I mean, I don't know. That might cause something like, oh, myocarditis in the heart uh, might cause problems with menstruation and fertility and things like that. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. The absolute chutzpah of these people to oh oh it needs to be studied more it appears to be transient that was the whole point was that yes it needed to be studied more before they put this proverbial gun to our heads and forced us to take this new experimental vaccine and it's not just that to me the whole COVID thing and and all this stuff is just it's almost like a metaphor for how our healthcare system has been corrupted and. And 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 how it's being corrupted in in everyday life. You know, I'm trying to that when you, when you look at how things are happening in COVID, the same thing is happening for your normal heart disease and you know your normal prostate cancer and your cancer management. And when you go to the emergency room and you know all of the infinite number of medical issues that we have, all of that behavior is happening when you get your other medical care, which is why. In many cases, our health care system is really flawed at this point, and we're really getting poor, poor care. I mean, the way that you go and you see your doctors and you make your appointments and all of these things are all affected by this bureaucracy and this government cabal that has as its first priority money and power and political power, and as an afterthought, delivering your health care and that's why we have to get away from these people you have to be in charge of your own health care you have to have the ability to select your own doctors and we need to reaffirm and reestablish the concept of independent thinking and open debate and get rid of these terms like best practices and misinformation and fact checkers this is utterly ridiculous Medicine and science doesn't work like there's something we want to study, we do one study that shows it works, it doesn't work, and then we move on never to look at it again. That is not how science works. Scientific study is a constant evolutional process of adding more and more information. You can have two studies that look at the exact same thing that are conducted by one person, and it shows A, and it's conducted by another group of people, and it shows B, the opposite, That is science. And what we do as scientists is we look at the literature and we study the literature and we evaluate the quality of the literature. We understand that, you know, randomized controlled studies, placebo controlled studies, crossovers controlled studies, these are all techniques that are designed to reduce bias. But we understand that bias is never reduced. One of the major forms of bias is who's funding the study, I mean, when I was going through training, if the company that was funding the study is, you know, that eliminates the study as being uh, something to rely on. If the company is, you know, it's like uh, the companies that produce glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate, which is something that we use to to potentially help joints. So all of the studies that support glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate are funded by the companies who sell glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate and so we're taught as orthopedic surgeons that those are not quality studies well all of a sudden that goes out the window and you know pfizer conducts a study on their vaccine and we're supposed to accept that as the gospel and never ask questions about it again and if a doctor says anything negative about it they are labeled as a known spreader of misinformation this is insanity and it's like I'm watching this happen on a daily basis, and I'm wanting people to just stop. Fact checkers are ridiculous. The whole point of a fact checker is to mislead you. If something is being fact checked, that means almost assuredly whatever you're you're looking at is true, because <laughs> if it if it wasn't true, there would be no reason for the fact checkers to come in and throw you off the set. Because in the old days. We used to win arguments in the marketplace of ideas and we would let people make their point of view and argue their point of view and then people could decide for themselves. And we seem to have lost that. We're ceding power to these so-called experts and, you know, fact checkers when, the, you know, they'll descend on some piece of information that they want to go away and they'll find a reason for it to label it false, which Most of the time when I read these things that they label something false, it's actually true. And they say it's false because, you know, the date that it was posted was wrong or something immaterial to whatever is being fact checked. And until we understand that we are all watching uh, Footloose, we're all being propagandized to, you know, Christianity is a negative thing. People who hang American flags on their wall or bad people. This is a constant effort drip, drip, drip to control the way we think and to control our narratives. They're trying to tell us that we will select the experts, we being the government. You heard uh this Remy or Bronte remsick talking about how the leading experts in healthcare have decided that abortion is the most important thing ever. That's ridiculous. There's people on both sides of the issue. I'm not even arguing for or against abortion. I'm just saying that this third-year medical student that's trying to invoke the medical professionals and get us from ever asking any questions is utterly ridiculous. Now, one of the things that uh, I think about uh, when I talk to people about how I view the world is, I've gotten to this age uh, and experience in my life. I've achieved a certain level of wisdom where i don't afford anybody any special dispensation based on their education or their uh position uh, or you know their accolades or any awards that they won. everybody in my book is a human being we're all you know we're all children of god we're all subject to the same failings all the seven deadly sins of pride and gluttony and all that stuff and so i am always independently thinking and also I have the type of job where I can't rely on what other people tell me. I don't ever. I mean, I was trained this way. Somebody tells me, oh, did you look at the patient? Yeah, I looked at the patient. They're fine. I don't accept that. I have to go examine the patient myself, and I have to determine things for myself, and it's how I do things, and it keeps me protected because I understand that the FDA is not necessarily looking out for me. The CDC is not looking out for me or my family. They're looking out for their interests. And when somebody is the head of, you know, the CDC, they're not looking out for me. They're not looking out for my kids. They're looking out for their interests. And, you know, I think about the people that I've come across in my life and, you know, my medical school class. And I always tell the story that, um, you know, I applied to medical school five times before I finally got in. It's not a secret. Um, you know, I had a reading disability. It's a long story, but... I, you know, constantly worked to get into medical school and I finally got in on my fifth try. And I remember when I showed up to medical school, <clears throat> I thought these are going to be the greatest people in the history of the world. These, these chosen people that are going to be doctors, they're going to be amazing. And what I learned was there was nothing amazing about them other than most of them were pretty good at taking standardized tests, but they weren't extra special people. In fact, They were kind of not that special in a lot of ways in in the way all of us are. Um, and I, I was sharing the story last week. I got, I had to get cut off because uh, we ran out of time, but we had this guy in my medical school class who was not very good. He just, he just was not good. Uh, I remember he, when being on rotations with him, we were at the VA, we would see our patients and we'd have to stay up all night taking care of patients. And one of the things we would have to do is, take a history and physical from our patients. And then we would meet with our professor, uh, Dr. Lonegro, who was this really scary guy had been practicing for a very long time. And he was just really a hard-nosed person. He was a scary person to present to. And David, or I don't want to say his name, but uh, th- this medical student in my class, he just wasn't very good. He just didn't really get medicine very well and he just didn't present well and he would get dr lonegro really upset because dr lonegro you know recognized that he was a terrible student and you know it was it was ugly it, the, dr lonegro would get on this student and we'd have to be there and it'd make a negative impact on the day we didn't like it so i remember me and the resident uh our head resident was trying to help him prepare for uh for his presentation and so um You know, we stayed up with him all night and we were going over how he's going to do it and what are you going to say and everything. And, you know, he seemed to be doing pretty well. So I remember that next morning we got up and he starts presenting to Dr. Lonegro and he starts going through his history and physical. Now, normally if you do this well, you look eye to eye to Dr. Lonegro and you do your presentation and, you know, that's not how he was. He had his papers like this and he was reading it word for word. And, you know, for him it was okay, but, he was making the right kind of statements. He seemed to be flowing. And I remember the resident and I were looking at each other and we were, you know, kind of like nodding, like, wow, it looks like he's doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden he goes, and his penis was measured to one centimeter. And we both kind of made this grimace on our face, like, oh my gosh, what did you just say? And then you look at Dr. Lonegro and he's looking around the table with these wide eyes, like, what is going on? And And David's still reading his paper. He doesn't even recognize that Dr. Lonegro is astonished as we all are that he just measured the person's penis and presented it in a, in a, in a physical exam presentation. And Dr. Lonegro interrupts him and says, why, why did you measure his penis? And he goes, well, his penis was so small that I thought it was a, a a genetic malformation. And Dr. Lonegro looks at him and says, well that's why we have textbooks so that people like you don't make idiotic statements and observations like that. The point of me telling you that story is there are doctors out there that are horrible. They they're not they don't have a good grasp of the information, they're not great at. There's other doctors that are amazing. But the point is, some are good, some are bad, and it's up to you to be able to choose your own doctor so that you can get the healthcare that you deserve. And the only way that's gonna happen is in a free market healthcare system, and it's never gonna happen in a one size fits all government socialized medicine system where you could get this doctor that's measuring people's penises. So on that, I'm going to end the show. I hope you guys got something out of that. Uh, we'll catch you next time. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber. This is America's Web Radio. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.